You know, we're uh, part three in our series called The Stars of Christmas. Now, when we say the stars of Christmas, we're not really talking about things up in the sky. We're talking about, well, in our culture, who are the ones that are the stars of Christmas, like on film and movie and all that kind of stuff. We, we know that our world has their stars of Christmas. Today, we're going to look at one that has become famous just in the last uh, t- uh, 20, 30 years or whatever, and it has to do with that famous character, Kevin McAllister, in Home Alone. Everybody loves that at Christmas, a hilarious movie, a lot of fun to watch, family-friendly. Uh, it's, it's a comedy, and it's great. Uh, you know, Kevin is all, he's remembered about playing jokes on, like, the bad guys. So, well, we have, we have our own little Kevin McAllister around here, and uh, watch this. Merry Christmas, Pastor Jeremy. Yes. <laughs> you know, that the whole Home Alone story is about uh, a family who decided to spend Christmas in Paris, France. Can you imagine? And so they're going to load everybody else, everybody up in the family and go to, go to Paris. And their eight-year-old son, Kevin, got accidentally abandoned and left at home. Now, how can you lead your eight-year-old son and go to Paris? But they did. And so they get to Paris and find out they've missed their son. And he wakes up, and he's been abandoned. He's been forgotten, literally. He's been forgotten. And he wakes up, and that's, that's what he knows. And he has to deal with that. <laughs> that's sort of, a, sort of a strange kind of thing. This wonderful, loving family forgot their kid. And to top it all off, there are criminals in the neighborhood who decide it's time to rob the McAllister house because it's empty. Oh, but it's not. Kevin is there. And that's really uh, what happens that day. So, Merry Christmas, Kevin McAllister. Your folks forgot you and you are home alone for Christmas. It's sort of not unusual that those kind of emotions and feelings come up during holiday time. I don't know, there's something about the, maybe the busyness or the stress or, the, or whatever of the season that sort of rips off Band-Aids and sort of exposes things. And sometimes the holidays are not quite as awesome as we want them to be. There's this, there's this myth out there that says that uh, suicide uh, uh, attempts and suicides go up during the holidays. And that's really not true. Statistically, November and December are two of the least um, in in suicide attempts. But what it becomes is, it becomes, um, well, a tipping point. I mean, you know, you you spend all your money, and uh, so you've got financial problems and overspending and overeating, and and you've got relatives that you know or don't know, and they come home, and there's just a lot of stuff that happens and a lot of raw emotions. And so by the first of the year, it all begins to show up. The message today is not about uh, seasonal depressions and stuff like that. I want to really talk about something today that, that really is true for 12 months a year. 
It's true all of the time, and it's experienced all year long. I was, um, I was really, really moved last week by Pastor Jay's message uh, about rejection. Uh, last week, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was the, was the example of rejection, but man, we really got down and talked about what rejection was. Pastor Jay, it was so powerful. I, 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 rejection basically is feeling like you don't fit in, and it comes from impressions you get, whether they're true or not, from people around you. It's like Satan holds up mirrors, warped mirrors, trying to show you this about yourself, and you feel rejected. And it, it's not true, but it becomes true when you believe it. And it was, it was a really, really powerful message. Well, one of those mirrors that Satan, who's responsible for the whole thing, one of those mirrors that he holds up I want to talk about today. It's really not so much a mirror toward us. It's really a picture of God that's warped. Not of ourselves that's warped. It's a picture of God that's warped that says, the God that, that I know, the God that I serve, doesn't hear me when I pray. I'm going through a tough time and I don't feel him and I don't know him. And the enemy tries to come and say, yes, that God that you serve, you know the one that you've, you've, you've um, gone to church all your life or you've paid your tithes and all this kind of stuff, that God, he's not listening to you. He didn't answer your prayers. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a place where we're going, yeah, well, I, I know I believe in God, but, but where is he? But where is he? It's a picture of God that Satan tries to throw at us that says, God is unloving and he's unfair. He's unloving, he's unfair, and he has forgotten you and abandoned you. Now, most of us in the room would say, no way, I believe in God. I know that God is everywhere. He's omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent and all the omnis. And he, he's everywhere. And, and he, he, he can't abandon us because he knows everything. He, he sees everything. But that prayer that I've been praying that hadn't been answered yet, obviously he's not listening. So where is he? Oh, but, but I can't say that, that, that God doesn't see and that God doesn't care because that's unthinkable. I, we can't say that. But where is he? It's amazing. This, this idea is something very unique to Christians, people that have like us that have maybe been in church or grown up in, in faith all of your life, for an atheist or an agnostic, he doesn't care that God is abandoning you because he doesn't believe in God. But for those of us who've been taught about God all our life, and then we come to a point in our life where we're going, wait a minute, things are not matching. And the enemy goes, yeah, he's unloving and he, he's unfair and he's unfair to you. And all of a sudden, the unthinkable thought becomes thinkable. All of a sudden, that which you never would have thought about suddenly becomes thinkable, and it becomes, the more you think about it, the more real it becomes. And then, if we could, if we could just stop right there and let the Holy Spirit give us good discernment of what's going on here, if, if you stopped and waited right there, you'd get a whiff of this, this nasty odor called Satan. <laughs> and you would realize Satan is trying to make God into somebody he's not. But the problem is when we're in the middle of that, it's like our sense of spiritual smell gets stolen like COVID does, you know, where you can't smell anymore. And we don't smell Satan, we just see that warped picture of God that frightens us. That's what happens. Have you, have you ever been uh, like 
in a park or walking down a street and there was like a, a panhandler there and you thought, well, I'm, I'm just going to go and buy him. I'm not going to make eye contact because that's real uncomfortable, you know. I, I, I don't want to deal with that. And so, or, or something like that and you don't make eye contact. The other day, I went to Sam's Club and uh, I, I was sort of in a hurry and I got out of the car and I went and there at the door was this sweet lady ringing the bell, ding, 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 singing Christmas songs. And in my mind, I know I've got to go in there. I don't have any, like, cash on me. And I know this is going to be so uncomfortable. And she's greeting everybody, and she's just ringing that Salvation Army bell. And I'm thinking, no, just focus. Act like you don't see her. And just zip on by, just, just blaze right on through there. And so I did. I did, and I got through, and I, God, I just felt so bad. I felt, I, I thought, who are you, Ebenezer Scrooge? <laughs> yeah, it was just awful feeling. The truth was, I didn't want to, I didn't want to make eye contact and, and connect because it made me feel uncomfortable, and I didn't know what I was going to say, and didn't know how I was going to get through it, and, and, and. It sort of is how we feel that God is doing us. We feel like we're there ringing a bell going, God, I've got this prayer request. I've got this thing I need you to do. And, and we look and he doesn't make eye contact and he just sort of blazes by. And that's what we see. And we wonder. And I'm wondering, what does she think of me? Because she knows I saw her. Everybody saw her. She knows I saw her. I know I saw her. We both know I didn't do anything about it. And that's sort of where people find themselves. They say, I believe in God and all, but he has blazed right by me. He's ignored me. And then all of a sudden, these questions begin to arise in our minds. Hey, hey, why is God ignoring me? What is it going to take to get God's attention? And we try all kinds of things. And then, well, does he hear me? And then it goes a little deeper. What did I do wrong? What did I do to offend him? Is it something I've done? Is, is, it, is it my fault? Has he written me off? Has he abandoned me? And then it goes a little deeper. Have I been yelling all these years to a deaf God? Are all the promises of God null and void? You mean that book isn't true after all? Is it all fake? And then down the rabbit hole people can go. Down that rabbit hole of doubt that, that turns into anger, and then it turns into discouragement, and then it turns into confusion, then it turns into despair. And all of a sudden people, even people that have grown up talking about Jesus all their life, all of a sudden they can just feel their faith melt away as Satan shows us that picture of God that's not true. God has not abandoned us. Uh, Ted Turner uh, does everybody know who Ted Turner is? You know, Ted Turner, he's the guy that he married Jane Fonda. Ted Turner, Turner Classic Movies. He owned the Atlanta Braves for a while, and he, uh, you know, Turner, billionaire. Did you know that Ted Turner grew up in a Bible-believing, Jesus-loving home and had surrendered his life to be a missionary? But his sister, he had a sister, a younger sister, who got a dreadful blood disease and 
She got sicker and sicker, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they fasted, and they prayed, and she died. And Ted Turner just put it all inside, and for a while he just thought, and he thought, and he thought, and he got in that silent rabbit hole. And then one day he announced, when he was uh, uh, about to go to college, he announced to his family, I'm not going to be a missionary, I'm not a Christian anymore, I don't believe in God, if there is a God, he's deaf. And he spent the rest of his life chasing money, which he got a lot of. He actually, Ted Turner, actually became an advocate against Christianity. He, in, interview, in one interview, he said Christianity is the religion of losers. And he gave money to groups that were anti-Christian. All because he, he saw an image of God that wasn't true. And he was convinced that it was true, and it stole his faith completely. I will tell you, I, I, uh, Ted Turner's in his 80s now. Did you know that Ted Turner has apologized for what's happened when calling Christians losers? And he has started giving money to Christian organizations, and we just need to keep praying for Ted. He gave up on God, but God didn't give up on Ted. It's a shrewd, clever, subtle thing that Satan does. He just sticks the little questions in there and he runs them around in the mind. God has forgotten you. God has abandoned you. God has abandoned you. God has abandoned you. God's not listening to you for whatever reason. We have, it doesn't have to be what happened to Ted Turner. It doesn't. We have a person in our, in our service today, actually, uh, named Pam, we probably have several Pams here today, but I'm not going to ask all the Pams to stand. Uh, but I got permission to share this. So an incredible, incredible lady named Pam. She's been a part of our prayer team for years and years, part of what's called the prayer chain where you make phone calls and, and they call other people that are going to be praying for things. She's one of the leaders of the prayer chain. And uh, one time Pam, several years ago, was just in a, in a place where there was something from God that she needed. And she prayed, and she prayed, and she fasted, and she confessed, and she prayed, and she confessed, and she spoke, and she believed, and she believed, and it didn't happen. And one day Pam woke up and said, wait a minute, I'm not going to go start giving other people prayer requests when I can't even get my prayers answered. God may answer other people's prayers, but he's definitely not answering mine, so I'm out of this thing. I'm, I'm going to get out of the prayer team. I'm going to get out of that whole thing. I'm not going to pray anymore. And about 10 minutes later, the phone rang, and she answered the phone, and it was a friend that said, oh, Pam, I'm so glad you answered the phone. Please pray for me right now. I really need, I'm in pain right now. Please pray for me. And she said at that moment, she thought, oh, yeah, I think I will pray. And so... She prayed, and she hadn't quit praying since. She's one of the, she, Pam is one of those that smell that whiff called Satan, or the lie of God. And she said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not going to change who I am and what I believe because of that fear. It takes strength and courage to respond the way Pam did. It does. It takes strength and courage. She fought off the lies of the enemy with her trust in God. Look at what the scripture says, Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. The Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. Look at this. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Today, 
I have three simple truths. I'm talking simple. Simple truths to try to help us um, unwrap those warped lies that Satan somehow puts on us. To tell us that God is unfair and unloving and that we've been abandoned and forgotten by him. Three simple truths that can free you from that. You ready? Here goes. Number one, God sees. Proverbs 15, 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch over the evil and the good. He sees it all. Jeremiah 23, 24. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? Let me tell you what, God sees everything. You know, we're taught that as a child. God, God is everywhere. He sees He does. He sees it all, good and bad. He sees it all. He understands. He sees the injustice. He sees the pain. He sees the open wounds. He sees the hidden roots. He knows our feeling of panic. He knows our feeling of frustration. He understands that we have long wait times sometimes for him to answer prayers. He understands that. And he's not angry at us for having those feelings. I promise you, God sees and he knows better than we ever dreamed. The Bible says that Jesus himself felt the same feelings. He did. How do I know that? Because I listened to what he said on the cross. Jesus quoted Psalm 22, a Psalm of David on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, abandoned me? That's what Jesus said. Let me read Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. And then he turned it on himself. I am a worm, not a man. I'm scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Yeah, that's what Pam was feeling. That's what Pam was feeling. That's what we feel sometimes. Jesus felt it. I want you to know, Jesus felt it. God sees it more than you can imagine. God does see. One of my favorite scriptures is in Isaiah 49. Look at this. It says, Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Israel was being, Jerusalem was surrounded by an enemy army that was going to just, just bust through the walls and destroy them. And they were going, what are we going to do? We need to call out to Egypt for help. God is not helping us. We need to call out to Egypt for help. And the Lord through the prophet Isaiah was saying, oh, no, 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 no. You call upon the Lord. And God gave the word that says, what do you mean calling on Egypt? I see your walls. I know exactly what's going on. Folks, I've not forgotten you, he said. I have tattooed you on my hand. Your name, no, one step past tattoo, engraved. <laughs> I have engraved your name on my hand. Folks, have you ever thought about this? God has engraved your name on his hand. He has not forgotten. He sees better than we can ever imagine. God is not taken by surprise. 
He sees it all. He not only sees, number two, God cares. Yes, he does. He cares. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Just like God sees more than we see, God cares more than we care. God even cares about stuff that we're not even seeing at the time. God cares more than just the immediate situation that we're wanting relief from. God sees everything around it, and he cares about all of that at the same time. Only God can do that. God cares. God cares very much. His plan is bigger than our immediate rescue. His plan is much bigger than that. We have no way of perceiving it, but God does. I want you to look at Isaiah 55. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. When Jesus hung on the cross and he cried out, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He was speaking out of what he felt at that moment, just like we do. Just like we do. But the truth is, and the scripture tells us this, he could have called 10,000 angels to come down at that moment and take him off the cross and kill all of his enemies and make everything right. And that's exactly what you and I want him to do every time. But that was not what he prayed. That is not what he, that's not what happened. You know why? Because it wasn't God's plan. And Jesus knew it wasn't God's plan. It would have been a great story. Boy, Jerusalem would have had a story to tell. Can you imagine angels coming down, zapping all the Romans and, and getting even with the priests, and all of a sudden everything's great? Man, that would have been better than the Red Sea story. They would have talked about that for years. But the whole world would have died without a Redeemer. See, God's plan was bigger, a lot bigger than Jesus' moment that he was feeling what he was feeling. And that's the truth. Look at the story. Jesus was abandoned by his followers. Jesus was abandoned by Peter, who denied him. He was abandoned by Judas, who betrayed him. And then on top of all of that, he's, he's on the cross with all the sins of the world on him. And all of a sudden, he felt on that cross the abandonment of his own father because of the sins he was bearing upon him. He felt it. He felt it. And that's why he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I want you to realize this. Jesus was abandoned so you and I would never be abandoned. On this earth or in the one to come. That's why he did it. He did it, and he knew he was doing that. The Father will not abandon us. He didn't abandon his son, Jesus. How do I know that? Because he rose from the dead. <laughs> yes, I'm telling you, you may feel like you're abandoned, but listen, I promise you, there's resurrection. There's resurrection. Yes, Jesus was not abandoned. I won't be abandoned, and you won't be abandoned. I promise you. So how much does God care? Here's another one of my favorite scriptures. Isaiah 49, 15. 
Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Wow. That's God's promise. Okay, God sees and he understands. God cares. God's at work, isn't he? He's done a lot. Now it's our turn, point three. We must trust. We got to come to grips with the truth that we do not control the arm of God. Do you hear me? We got to come to grips that God doesn't jump when we snap. Because we see things very, very faintly. We don't see clearly at all. And God does. We've got to trust that God sees more than we do. Sometimes it seems like God is deaf. Sometimes it seems like God is blazed by and he's not given us any eye attention. Sometimes it feels that way. Sometimes it feels very much that way. Sometimes it feels like he's late. Sometimes it feels like he's too late. Just like he was for Lazarus. You remember that? Jesus was like three days too late. Lazarus was dead and in the grave. And Mary and Martha come up and say, your friend Lazarus is dead. If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. And we sent for you and told you. The truth is, if you look at it, the reason Lazarus died is because Jesus wasn't there. He wasn't there on time. But you see, God wasn't looking for healing that day. God's plan was not healing for Lazarus. It was resurrection. God had planned a resurrection. And some, we got to learn to be okay with God's plan. And that's part of what trust is. That's part of what trust is. God, uh, God never and usually never explains himself ahead of time. He usually lets us figure out what's going on. One of my favorite stories is from Matthew chapter 15. Jesus was right on the border of another country with some of his, actually some Jewish uh, Pharisees that were questioning him. And he was in, in having a meal. And this woman busts in the room. Now, she's not a Jewish woman. She's a Canaanite woman, a Gentile woman. So she busts in the room and she says, Master, Master, my daughter is demon-possessed and must be set free. Will you set her free? Please set her free. You know what the Bible says? Listen carefully. The Bible says Jesus did not acknowledge her. He ignored her. Didn't say a word. Been there, felt like that before, right? The Bible says they got her out of the room. Then she busts back in the room. Oh, Master, please, 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 my daughter needs your help. And Jesus looked at her and said, Woman, why should I take the bread that belongs to the children and give it to a dog? <laughs> I don't know about you. When I read that, I go, Gag, what in the world? Jesus has called that woman a dog. Now, before you freak out, let me let you know this. The Jews had a slang word for people who weren't Jews that they would talk among themselves. They called non-Jews dogs. There's a word. There's a word and it means yard dogs. They considered them less than they were. Now, that's not in the Bible. That's just how it was in Jewish 
culture. And Jesus, I'm sure all the guys around the table went, ha, 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 boy, he told her, didn't he? But the word Jesus used for dog was not the normal word for dog. Jesus didn't use the word for yard dog. Jesus used a word for house puppy, for house dog. He used a word for a dog that lived in the house. And she caught it and she said, aha, aha, even the house dogs get to eat the same bread as the children when it falls off the table. And Jesus said, you got it, girl, you got it. Look at what he said to her in verse 28. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. You know what's so neat? She had to go through the trust thing, didn't she? She was trusted. Jesus heard her the whole time. Jesus saw what had to happen. Jesus wasn't just healing her daughter. He was teaching a bunch of Jews the truth about God. The woman was not an outcast. She belonged in the family. She was not a dog. She was part of the family. What a great lesson. And Jesus knew it, and Jesus used that. God rarely explains himself ahead of time. We usually have to look back and say, wow, look what the Lord did. It's true. We think God owes us an explanation. And quite frankly, if God came to us and said, hey, this is how I'm going to do it. Is that okay with you? We would say, oh, no, that is not okay with me. It's not what I want. So God just sort of bypasses that and says, I'll let you see what I do after I did it. It's true. Here's God's promise. This is Pastor Jay's favorite verse, okay? Isaiah 43, Jay. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And the flame, you will, it will not consume you. You know what that assumes? That we're going to be walk, walking in a lot of deep water and being in a lot of hot places. That assumes that that's going to happen to us. He can't deliver you from the deep water if you're not in the water. Listen, I call that scripture the baptism of fire. <laughs> That's what it is. God says you're going to be in this world where things are going to happen. The world is not perfect. Things are going to happen. There's going to be flood and there's going to be fire. And you're going to be the victim of much of that. But you've got to learn to trust me. You've got to learn to trust me. Trust is not built beforehand. It's, it's built by watching the way God deals with us. Look, when you first come to Christ, you, you haven't learned this lesson. Even when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, that doesn't automatically make you understand this. The only way to understand this verse is to having walked with God through some fire and through some deep water. And the longer you walk with God, like Pam walked with God, Pam had been through a lot of fire and a lot of water before that day. And so it didn't take her long to figure out, hey, wait a minute, I'm not going to throw my faith away. I, I understand God's bigger than this. I, I think probably do us good to look at Habakkuk 2.3. This is another verse that you can hang your hat on. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it. It will sure to come. It will not be delayed. That's what God says. God says there's a part of it that does belong to us. We have to trust Him. And we don't trust Him to answer it the way we wanted it originally. That's not what we do. We trust God. We don't trust the answer. We trust God. We trust Him. And when we trust Him, we surrender to Him. 
God wants us to become okay with that kind of trust. It's a deeper, deeper trust. Pastor Jay mentioned several months ago that God has called us to go deeper. Part of going deeper is to not believe the lies that God has forgotten us or abandoned us, but to allow Him through whatever we go through to draw us closer to Him and let it increase our faith. Satan wants it to drain your faith. The Lord wants those same things to increase your faith. And He will make you stronger the more you walk through the fire and the flood because your trust will become great. In the Kevin McAllister movie, Home Alone, Kevin had no idea where his parents were and what they were doing. He didn't know that while he was fighting off the bad guys, his parents were over in France trying to find the quickest way to get home. He didn't know they were moving heaven and earth to get home. He didn't know that. But they were. And that's sort of like God. Now, God doesn't accidentally abandon us and then panic in France and come back and help us. That's not it. But sometimes, even though we don't know what God's doing, I promise you what God, I know what God's doing. When you go through tough times, when you go through the questioning times, when you go through the doubt times, when you go through all of those things, and you feel like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I promise you, the Lord is knocking. He's going, hey, let me help you through this. Let me help you through this. I'm here. I see it. I understand. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. That's what he's doing. Kevin didn't know it. Sometimes we don't know it. But that's what God does. In the middle of our confusion, doubt, failure, anything, God will help us with those warped lies of the enemy and keep us to understand that our God will never fail us or forsake us. You know, if there was a star of Christmas in the movie, it's not Kevin McAllister. He's the Hollywood star, the comedian. The star of Christmas was a guy in the end of the movie called Old Man Marley. Old Man Marley was this old guy, neighbor that all the kids said was a serial killer. They determined that he was wrapping mummies in his basement. And so they were all scared of him. Well, it turned out to be that Old Man Marley saved his life, saved Kevin's life. And they sort of got to know each other and he found out Old Man Marley had actually been abandoned by his family too. In fact, for years, his family had nothing to do with him, and he was lonely there, and he was longing to be with his family. Just like Kevin was for a few days, he was for years. My favorite scene, just, just watching it, was when at the end, when Kevin has been reunited with his family and realized they loved him the whole time, he looks out the window, and he sees old man Marley's family coming to see their dad. And they waved at each other. Let me tell you, that's the purpose of God right now. The purpose of God is to not make you feel like you're abandoned and forgotten. The purpose of God is to let you know how much you are loved and cared for and how deeply you can trust Him. Today, there's some people in the room and, and you have, you've had a lot of doubts. In fact, your doubts have begun to melt your faith away. And God says, trust me, trust me. Some of you are going through a hard time and you're saying, God, I just don't hear from you. I don't hear from you. Hang in there. Don't give up on praying. Trust. 
bust back in the room one more time like the lady did. Listen to what God says. He has a word for you. Some of you are in the room today, you just feel nothing. And you felt nothing for a while. There are a lot of reasons why you can feel nothing around you. There are a lot of reasons that happen that cause people to do that. But I want to tell you, God sees, God knows, God understands, and He cares deeply. All He wants you to do is reach out to Him. He's reaching out to you, and He loves you very much. He's not mad at anybody in the room. Not mad at anybody in the room. He's just calling you to know, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's the God we serve. Our worship team is coming, and they're going to lead us into a song that's that's where we can begin that step of trust. That step of trust is beginning to say, God, I'm going to take my eyes off of this warped picture that I have, and I'm going to put them on you. I'm going to sing to my King Jesus. I'm going to sing to him. I'm going to let this be a moment of faith. For those of you that may have never turned your faith, into, uh, turned your faith toward Christ, this may be your moment to sing that to him and watch things begin to change in your own heart as you call upon the Lord. Would you all stand with me?